iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the Apple Store Soho. We're very pleased you can join us for today's Meet the Filmmaker special event. Um, Meet the Filmmaker is a podcast series you can find on iTunes that brings you up close and personal with some of today's top filmmakers, so check that out. Uh, today we are joined by director Alex Karpovsky and actors TJ Jagodowski and David Pasquese, who are here to talk about the, their latest documentary, which takes you behind the scenes on this legendary two-man comic show. Uh, the film is Trust Us, This Is All Made Up. Moderating today's special event is guest moderator Matt Dentler from Synetic. Please join me in welcoming them to the stage. Alex Karpovsky, TJ Jagodowski, David Pasquese, and Matt Dentler. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Matt, this is Alex, this is TJ, this is Dave, TJ and Dave. And uh, you're here for a discussion for a film that's, uh, well first of all we'll tell you it's screening tonight, right? At 10 p.m. at the 92Y Tribeca, which if you haven't been to it's on Hudson and Canal, it's a great space. Um, but simultaneously, if you've already seen the film, you guys are doing a show tonight, right, at the Barrow Theater? Barrow Street, Barrow Street Theater at 27 Barrow Street. And, that's, and you're doing another one tomorrow? Tomorrow night as well, yeah. So you can come see the movie tonight, come to your show tomorrow, but the movie's not playing again tomorrow night, so this is your last time to come see it. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, we just wanted to get right into about, like, the, the process of making the film, how you guys you know, met and started collaborating. And first, I think let's just take a quick clip uh, or take a look at a quick clip. We are super happy to be here as we hail from Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, how about Chicago? We're very much looking forward to improvising for you. Trust us, this is all made up. There's nothing worked out about it beforehand. We don't know anything until we look at each other and then we start to know everything. It doesn't make any sense, but we seem to have this, uh, uh, we have, there's a communication between us that I guess because we're both interested in the same kind of thing. I trust him implicitly. Um, there's a lot of freedom given to me because I know I can do the littlest thing and he'll know. He'll see it and he'll know what it is and, and he'll, he'll react to it. It's been like that since the beginning. A strange connection with no reason that you can point to. I know more about him. I know, you know, like more about his, his family life. But there's some things that never go away. There's still part of him that just terrifies the hell out of me. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? It's great. It's, it's truly, and I truly believe there's magic. When it goes really well, who would have thought that? Looks good. <laughs> no. and it's a very, very, very funny film, but also a very good film. And, um, and it's a great collaboration between the talents that you guys have and your talent as a filmmaker. But I think that, you know, it also probably has a lot to, it probably comes a lot from your work as a performer as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the last two films you've made and then kind of how this sort of segued into, or how that segued into this film? Yeah, I don't know if there's much of a segue. I made a movie, uh, three years ago called The Whole Story, 
which I acted in and um, wrote and directed. And then at, last year I made a movie called Woodpecker, uh, which I was not in. And then I made this movie. <laughs> That's sort of it. I mean, I, I had no real intention of making a movie or a documentary or anything, but I saw their show uh, while I was editing Woodpecker with my editor. And it was just amazing. And I felt maybe there's something we can do here. And it was toward the tail end of editing where I had more and more free time. And so I started emailing them, seeing if they're interested, what kind of ideas we could have structurally, tonally, stylistically. And then we uh, made it. And for you guys, I guess, give us all a little bit of background on the show. I mean, for those of us who aren't familiar with your background as, as performers, how did the, the, how did the show come to, come to be? Uh, we, um, we got thrown together in a, in a, at a festival, a comedy festival, um, and we improvised together in a group this one time, and we decided, well, that, that seemed to, to go well. Let's, we should try that again. And uh, then we decided to just, uh, just start out with the two of us, and if we needed more people, we were going to add more people. And, um, and we didn't really know what we were going to do, but uh, the, our sensibilities are somewhat similar, and we just decided to just do something uh, more, more organic and longer. And uh, so we started doing that in Chicago. Then uh, Scott Morphy, uh, we started coming to the Barrow Street Theater here in New York uh, for the last, that was about seven or more years ago that we started doing it. About uh, three or so years ago, why, about three or so years ago, we started coming to, uh, to New York. And, and do you guys tour around the country in the show or do you typically only play Chicago, New York? Yeah, pretty much just Chicago <clears throat> and New York. We've done little shows here and here and there, um, uh, but never anything that would be considered a a, a tour. Uh, and like, well, what is it about Chicago as a town that you think you know fuels the sort of improv culture or even the comedy culture? I mean, it's such a legendary town for that. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with it, the second city being there, and or formerly, it that's what it had to do with, and that was one of the only places that did that kind of improvised, uh, improvisationally based sketch material, and uh, they, do, they did a review there. And that was one of the few paying jobs you could get as an improviser, and that happened to be in Chicago, and that's a lot of uh, uh, imp the improvisation community sprung up around that. They were pretty much the, the one game in town, and, and uh, that's where you went to learn how to improvise, because that's where the teachers were, and that's where the places that you could get an audience come and watch you. And now that's changed. Yeah, I mean, how, how do how do you learn how to improvise? I mean, I think that's I mean for people who have n who aren't performers, but you know, will cat in their ideas of improv is, you know, from a household pr perspective, it's probably limited to like Robin Williams, um, you know. But how does someone actually like take a class at improv? You got to kind of <clears throat> un unlearn everything. Like you, in a way, you got to get back to when you were four years old and someone came over and said like do you want to play and then they were like sure and you're like what and you're like i don't know let's just play that you, you, in a way you have to kind of unlearn how we've been taught <coughs> to behave in, in like in society um and then you just have to kind of get used to trying to be less afraid i would i would say i like, guess because just a conversation like two people sitting at a bar having a conversation is probably a fine improv scene it's just getting over the fear that happens when you know people are watching you have a conversation at a bar yeah. i think the main thing is like trial and error it's uh, fail repeatedly 
And so, a bit. How, and how do you keep it funny or engaging? Like just from we try not to worry about that part of it because um, often it's not funny to us or anyone else. I would say so. If we remove the pressure of worrying about it being funny, and then it's not, then you didn't fail. Right. You know, like so. We just try and stay upright for about fifty minutes in front of people, and then and relatively then eventually the lights go out. Yeah. You know? And how did you feel when, when Alex came to you? I mean, you know, I, I'm assuming this is the first time your show had been sort of documented in, in this kind of way. Um, you know, were you at all hesitant or reluctant to say, yeah, let, let's create a recorded document of, of what we do off the cuff? Um, actually, it's not the first time. And uh, um, that's why we were wary um, because it's been, you know, uh, shooting improvisation. Uh, is fine watching what's been shot is abysmal uh it's 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 like torture it's awful and it's all and i've never seen it any other way until this film i've never seen it any other way uh, uh shooting a live performance a live improv show or a sketch show that it hasn't been anything but terrible and uh and alex i think really did a great job and that's what, that was the concern, and that was a lot of the discussion. Well, how is this going to be different than everything else which is unwatchable? And how did you alleviate those fears? Like, how did you convince them this wasn't going to be just another Drew Carey-hosted thing? Uh, persistence. Uh, I just kept at it. I, I th I th one thing that we knew initially, or I felt strongly about initially, is that we couldn't just make it just a live concert performance film. We couldn't begin the film with the show and then end it with the show. I feel if this had any chance of translating from a you know, fundamentally 3D theatrical experience into a 2D cinematic experience, there had to be some sort of context or framework built before the show to support that experience. Um, so we talked, that's one thing I felt pretty strongly about initially. So talking with TJ and Dave before making the movie was, what would that look like? How long would it be? It ended up being 19 minutes act one of the movie or whatever before the show we talked about the tone of it the structure of it the taste of it and uh, what it would do to basically lubricate this transition from, thea from theater to, 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 to movies and um, I think that's a big part of it I think having yeah. eight cameras for the shoot and eight cameras we had eight cameras four were manned and four were locked and having the you know the options the versatility in the editing room and the ability to cut to um, fresh or interesting perspectives often helped a lot as well. Did you have to cut around any of the performance, or is it is it the performance as is, 100%? It's the performance as is, yeah. How did how did it feel for you guys, you know, uh, performing this show knowing there were eight cameras on you, and that it was? I mean, was that even a consideration? Were you, I mean, were you conscious of that? It was real unobtrusive, and maybe for those of you who don't. I don't know if it's clear what we what we actually do. That yeah. we we improvise, for lack of a better term, like a, a one act play. Um, so uh, just in case you didn't know what we did, because sometimes we don't know what we do. So, um, but Alex did a great job of, of hiding them. You know, like there was every once in a while you could see like uh, on stage. If I looked past Dave's shoulder, you'd see a camera there. But otherwise, like they it wasn't a worry. And usually when the show starts, you kind of don't. You're not really too much aware of what happens past the, the lip anyway. Like with the lights, it's tough to see. And ideally, we're focused enough on each other that that just kind of you know, goes, goes away a little bit. But I didn't notice them at all. Um, 
And yeah, we hid them. They were hidden even from us and from the audience. And that's one of the things we talked about too, is not having, because audiences, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole group event. It's not just us uh, performing in a vacuum. And so that was one of the concerns was to make sure that they weren't bothered as well. Why don't we take a look at one more clip on that segue. Good for you, though. Yeah, you know what? Because you got to ask yourself, you want the job or you want the story? Yep. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know what? As soon as I don't want this job, yeah, I'm right. going to get it. Absolutely. Sometimes you one. want the job. Sometimes I do. Yeah, right? Yep. I don't happen to want this one. Yeah, I hear you. I, I used to you. want it. When I, was, when I was trying to get it, I wanted it. Right, yeah. right. I was looking for a job when I found this one. Yep, yeah. I'm fine, I'm gonna be fine. Yeah, you're gonna be happens, great. I'm You'd be, be an fine. asset to any corporation or company. You I don't know? know about that. Yeah, I do, I do. That's nice of you to say. It was heroic, you know? It was nah. like you were riding into battle for everybody, you know? You wore, you brought the banner in there, and that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Hey, you know what? If you don't stand, you know, because you'll fall for anything. Right, right, right. You know, and yep. I know it's a softball team, but we start somewhere. We start somewhere. We'll, we start somewhere. We're better. If we, you know, if I, if I won, we're yeah. Good. Well, he's going to play shortstop because he's a fucking yeah, a district manager. Right, you know. And we're, and we're. Good, you yeah, know, and we're well, losing. We could be better. We're yeah, losing right. to There's teams no that need. aren't as good You're as right. us. There's no need to be oh. losing. And I know my place. I know. I know. Stash me a catcher. I don't care. I don't care. You know. I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't do I'm much. Not, look, and also, I'm not saying I'm the shortstop. I'm not saying you I'm should the short, be. No, that's not what I'm saying. No, we all I'm know. I'm saying it. he's not the shortstop. All that's all I'm saying. It. And I'll stop there. It's not my, not mine to make that decision. But I know who's not shortstop. Yep. Player manager. Oh, I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's yeah, just that whole notion. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, why don't we have uh, general infantry men? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, be one. Be yeah. one or the other. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, yes. <laughs> Every time. Um, I mean, from, from all the performances you're doing, I mean, if, let's talk about the lifestyle of someone who, you know, does this professionally. You know, is this, you know, how much of this is what you do full-time? How, how much of it, what you do full-time is, you know, how you live your lives together? How much, how much of what you do full-time is together? How much of it is, you know, solo? Any of that kind of stuff? Well, I improvise um, a lot. Um, uh, Five, four or five times a week in Chicago, um, just this show with with Dave. But thankfully, um, um, well, usually you don't get you don't get paid to improvise. Um, I was lucky enough to get hired to do some commercials that they allow us to improvise in, and uh, I I teach improv. So um, thankfully, I'm one like I get to do everything I do gets to be in and around improvisation but the the percentage of improvisation that I do that's with Dave is probably you know uh, <clears throat> 15 percent of the of the improv stuff I, I get I get to do how about you Dave um, well another part of your question was what about you know how much of this uh, of how much of the, our lives is uh, I think it's all uh, preparation for improvisation. It's, I mean, there was a guy, my teacher always said that the, the job of the improviser is to lead an interesting life. 
Um, and so it is, it's, you know, you see, uh, I think it all factors in. Um, I just do this show with TJ. I used to improvise more. Um, I don't anymore. Uh, Could you ask people to stop selling stuff? It's yeah, real exactly. loud in here. <laughs> what is this, a store? <laughs> Do you so, um, Alex? From your perspective, were you? Uh, how did you feel? Because like you jump into this this project as a filmmaker, and you're making an investment of time, and there's investment of money, and and people, and all this kind of stuff. And you know, of course, by and large, your shows are batting a thousand. But I mean, how do you, as a filmmaker, go into this kind of process, knowing absolutely having absolutely no idea, you know, what the final product's going to be? Um, I just had a, you know, a little bit of faith. I think these guys are so good, I think, that it would take, I would really have to mess up horribly for this to movie to be bad. That's how I thought at the time. Since then, I think I, I, <laughs> they're still awesome, but there's just so many more obstacles that I just didn't realize in that translation that, I don't know, there was a sort of a blissful ignorance about my approach to it all. What, what were some of the obstacles? Well, uh... <laughs> you know, creating that context, that 19 minutes before the show to set up their performance. I wanted to create suspense and intrigue, and I wanted people to be curious about what their relationship to one another is like and what their relationship to, to improvisation is like. And by the time they get to the stage, I want the audience to be really bursting with suspense and curiosity about what they're about to do. We know it's improvisation, but that's kind of as much as we're told about the actual performance. We're, we're given insight into their relationship to one another and into the relationship to this thing called the it, which maybe you guys can talk about in a moment, which is, to me, the heart of your relationship to improvisation. But there's a lot that we don't know, and I hope that creates curiosity. And so b to answer your question, it was building up that setup, building up that context to couch the show that was much more... That took a lot more time than I thought it would in the editing room, just to make that, well, just to make that work as as much as I can make it work. What is the it? Is the it or the id? Yeah, uh, the no, it. it it is what Alex said. It's um, it's what he's talking about is the way I think we approach improvisation, and that is that uh, rather you know a lot of uh, a common philosophy about improvisation is and. <laughs> God, this just sounds horrible to sit here and pontificate about <laughs> make-em-ups. Uh, uh, but there, a lot of times people think of uh, as just um, uh, let it happen, right? Right? Just let it, let it occur, let it happen. I think ours is just a little bit different than that. It probably looks exactly the same on the outside, but I, I think our belief is that it's already occurring. That uh, that our job is to find out what is already happening and to. Uh, uh, somehow integrate into this thing that's already occurring rather than um, forcing my will upon it. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, improv definitely is something that, you know, people who are, are into it are really into it. Obviously, there are a lot of people who are sort of casually into it. Um, I mean, talking about consumers, audiences who think, oh, this will be fun. We'll see what they'll come up with next. But, you know, there certainly is a true art form. And as you said, there's classes and schools and things like that. How have you seen the sort of practice of improv and sort of the industry and the trade kind of evolve since you started? Um, I started um, in the mid-80s of the previous century. And, uh, 
And it's it was uh, it happened in Chicago, pretty much exclusively. And this long form improvisation was non-existent. And uh, since then, now they've got they got uh, at least three theater slash schools here in New York. There's several out in Los Angeles. Chicago has a bunch. Uh, it's unbelievable to me how um, how improvisation has uh, exploded. Uh, because it was just a handful of people, and very few people came to watch it. It was um, it, now it's it's you know a viable uh, option for an evening of entertainment, and it, on TV you got uh, your Drew Carey show. That was uh, they didn't have that before, and uh, Larry David's show is improvised. I did a show that was uh, uh, like a sitcom, but it was improvised, um, and they don't they used to not let you do that for the exact same reasons you asked Alex. How do you know you're going into this? You're laying money out, and you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but now there's a kind of a tra it has a track record, so it's right. There's uh, people like Christopher Guest who right. can you know exactly. kind of get away with mm -hmm. getting studios to finance movies like that. Do you who do you? I mean, I, I don't want to trivialize it, but like, who are some of the people in the trade that you you know you, that you do admire? I won't ask you to name the people you think are junk, but like, who are the people? Well, so, uh, those as improvisers. Well, there's improvisers that I, that we know that aren't right. known as improvisers, right. but like all the guys that came, uh, there's a bunch of folks that came through Second City. They're just tremendous. Um, but people who are um, improvising, Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery from that show, yeah. they're 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 great. Uh, they're great improvisers. And for a long time, it was tough to take you know the next jump as an improviser. So you had to start doing sketch or you know or getting like you know square jobs. So like. Tina and Scott mm -hmm. and uh, Jack are all on are all on Thirty, 30 Rock. Right. Um, uh, Kevin Dorf, um, Brian Stack, uh, right for Brian right McCann. for Conan O'Brien. Um, we're all great improvisers, but it was tough Andy if Richter. you wanted to <clears throat> ever own a home or whatever to do that through improvising. So you know they got. Their dork jobs, like writing for Colbert, or <laughs> yeah. you know, or stuff right. so like that. Colbert and those guys too, and Amy and Danello, and so so for you guys though, what what pays the bills if it's not improv? Um, improvisation, improvisation pays. I, we have very, I have very few bills. <laughs> um, I, the the commercial work I, right. I do yeah. is is thankfully they've they've kept us on for a while, and so that allows a lot of. Um, Freedom for me and my schedule to just be able to play as as often as often as and, and by play I mean improvise um, uh, and just play sometimes. Um, but uh, that, four square, that he's a four up. square champ. <laughs> take on, we take on any use. Um, uh, so thankfully, those you know those yeah. have remained pretty consistent. That's great. So we'll open up to questions in just a second, but um, I definitely want to uh, ask you guys real quick. So. So this, so the film screening this weekend tonight only at the Tribeca, ninety-two Y Tribeca. Wh where can people see it next? Uh, other festivals, other screenings coming up. If they want to tell their friends who maybe live in other cities. Yeah. Uh, so it's on the festival circuit now. So we have a website, trustusfilm.com, where we have a screenings page, and ultimately we hope to partner up with a distributor, a DVD label, uh, or any type of label. And uh, have it be accessible, but we that that but process that's has still just begun to, to be determined, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did this compare to the Francis Ford Coppola? Uh, this is probably right I, well, I, I I was sitting in the audience for that one, but I think Excellent. that it was this is better. Great, yeah. Great. Um, the uh, I'll let you guys improvise, improvise, not me. Um, so the uh, and for you guys, so 
next dates after this weekend in New York um, or back to Chicago? Wednesday in Chicago. Okay, so tell your friends in Chicago. So let's, let's watch one more clip, and then we'll go into questions from the audience. We can start asking them questions? Yeah, Great. perfect. I don't know the dates, um, but I, I'd, I'd seen him uh, in Chicago. I guess I was introduced to him or something, but we actually got, uh, we worked together once on, um, we got thrown together with this group for a festival, and that was the first time that um, I ever played with Dave. Um, I'd met him once before, like a year earlier, but knew of him. Um, he's, a, he's sort of legend back, back in Chicago. He was on stage at Second City with Farley and Timmy Meadows and uh, and that and that gang. And he's just if you're if you're a player in Chicago, you know the name. You know the name Pasquese. The only way it can get really good is if you do it with folks, the same people a lot. Uh, and that's what we used to have when I was first starting. There was a group of us, and that's all we did. And. We, we spent all our time together, and we all our only focus was to try to become better improvisers. And then the guys I came up with, all, no one's left in Chicago, the guys I came up with who may well have the same interests as I do. Then I ran into TJ, and we seemed to have similar interests. He hadn't, when we started improvising, um, when we started doing the show together, he hadn't improvised regularly, I think for 10 years or something like that. So it was a bit of a coup that, that Dave was gonna be back. My friend Noah, I think, actually put me up to like, you should ask Pasquese if he wants to, if he wants to do something. So uh, I asked him and he was like, yeah, um, I'm, I'm doing this play right now, but um, when I'm done with that, you know, why don't, why don't we talk about it? And then the, the play was, uh, he was doing uh, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross at the Steppenwolf. So <laughs> I went to see it. I was like, Jesus, this guy's intimidating as all. It was all hell, man. What have I gotten myself into? So let's take a couple of questions, if we can. Right, we have a mic right here, so just raise your hand. Hi. Uh, when you first started, how did you come to find the it format? Like, how did like, as opposed to taking a suggestion from the audience? Like, how long did it, did it take you to decide that this is what we want to do when we perform? Or like. Did you go through different phases where you did uh, different formats on the stage? You mean just the two of us? Yeah. No, yeah. no we started out with, without asking for a suggestion. That was one of the things that was, uh, we just weren't, just wanted to try it. it. And it actually seems easier now than of like, okay, can we have a suggestion? Popcorn, great. Mm, this is good popcorn. Like, you're kind of, you don't feel beholden to, to anything. You're just, you're just beholden to actually like trying your best to, see what's going on at that second but you're not kind of bound by like all right well we're in a hospital um does that now do you believe we're improvising um so that's at where the where the the title of the documentary came from the end of our introduction which is you know just trust us this is all made up because we're not taking a suggestion so you'll just have to believe that we didn't write this earlier today and learn it you know and and now we're putting it up and now we're putting it up tonight mm -hmm. And also, uh, now we're not, uh, we, we're not, uh, we don't have to take the suggestion of maybe some drunk guy on a Friday night and do a whole, a whole hour about that, about a ridiculous suggestion. If we do an hour on a dildo now, it's because we want to. <laughs> it's our choice. 
I know it's the Apple Store. You said the F word twice. Uh, another question? I have a question uh, over here. Um, you guys have been working together. There's a plant. <laughs> You've been working together so long. Uh, are you still discovering things about one another, or do you kind of really know each other that well? I only go about this deep. So after like three shows, David knew me. Like, yeah, we're both very shallow all the way down. Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, we do. There's. Uh, I th one of the things is from the very beginning we have. Uh, there's an understanding that we have, which is kind of weird. I, I worked real well with one other guy in the past, um, but that made sense. We were we had been roommates in college before we started improvising, and I'd known him for many years, and and we cheated at cards together and things like that. So we had a, a way of communicating. But uh, from from like day one, we seem to have uh, we're able to kind of understand one another. And I wasn't born until Dave was out of college. <laughs> do, do you find that there are different sort of schools of improv? Like, I mean, I mean, I, meaning like sort of generationally, like, you know, there's like an influence here, influence there, or even geographically. Like, how does it break down? Uh, a little bit. Um, and this is, you know, like um, in very general terms, the 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 Chicago, Chicago is a little bit, they call it slower, but it's, it's more based on um, first and foremost trying to find a two-person relationship, um, something going on between, between two people that can be sustained. Um, the, the New York style typically is a little more um, recognize the game as quickly as possible and tag heighten, tag heighten, tag heighten, sweep, um, if that makes any sense to improvisers. And, um, and and the 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 majority of the stuff I've seen in Los Angeles is more individual character based, almost a little more like showcasey. And then who do we put this character in in line with? Um, or uh, or there's a little more concern of like, well, who's in the audience tonight? You know, who's got someone here this evening? Um, uh, and that is an overgeneralization. And yes, it's also meant to make Chicago look really good. Um, uh, but I, I, as far as regionally, I would say that that is true. Genera generationally, like the people who you like playing with have come from you know 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, now. Like so, I think that uh, not necessarily age-wise. It seems. Right. Any other questions right now? Yeah, we have a question here in the second row. Yeah. Hi. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering how challenging or how difficult it is not to do a routine or a segment that you've had success with before, like not to repeat it again. It would just suck so much, you know, like the, the situation that would have to take place to try and even remember the thing that might have gone well it would just it would it would look so bad it, it would, would stand hurt real it would, bad. it would also stand out as something that uh boy that everything else seemed to be kind of organic except that chunk you know that seemed an awful lot like stand up but uh, thank you for the for the belief that we've actually had success before <laughs> with bits and also right because we are kind of paying attention paying attention to just one moment after the next to remove ourselves from that would be it would be hard to get back into it question right here um i was just wondering if you guys ever had a show where you you got off stage and you kind of were like what just happened that that we didn't connect or it wasn't good or has that happened or have you discovered things that way you know of how to do better 
We we tried. Yes, we've de- we've had that experience. I've had that experience. Dave always does really well. Sometimes I've messed things up. <laughs> um, when when we found that it didn't really catch, it was because we missed the first moment. Um, and it's almost like once once that tooth doesn't fall into the into the gear, you never really get it get it in there. You're you're kind of struggling the rest of the hour. Um, kind of uh, justifying why why this was wrong the rest of the time to varying degrees, you know. Um, and I think even in a good show, there's there's a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just terrible. Um, uh, it doesn't happen often, um, and it's never happened in the United States of America. But uh, <laughs> we have had shows which are just—he's seen them—that uh, that just for whatever reason it was just it was just this is the, also some of it has to do. I really, um, I can't uh, uh, understate the importance of the audience. There really, it really is. It ha- it's it's we're all doing it, um, and and in that particular evening. And sometimes, like, it was a, a, a place that the folks were not there to see us. They were there for, I don't know what they were there for, but it sure wasn't us. And, uh, and so it was just, a, it was kind of, the entire time was a bit of a struggle. Because um, uh, you, when, when, when the audience is, is uh, accepting and interested, it makes, it, it makes us uh, um, safer and then able to take more risks and it then perhaps can be interesting question in the front how has how has um your improvised uh, background uh helped your more traditional acting work when you're in a film or television that's either comedic or even not comedic a dramatic role um how how, how does it help i think it helps in every aspect of uh whether or not you're in a perf- performer um but i remember an actor came to our show a guy that's uh Long-time uh, Chicago actor, uh, well-regarded, great guy, and he came to see our show. He's like, "Wow, improvisation is great training for any actor," and I believe that. You know, it's uh, he. Um, that's that's my background was improvisation first, and then started doing other stuff later. But uh, so that's all I know. But he was suggesting that is it, it's it's an exercise in listening. I mean, that's all it is is just paying attention, and I think that's great for any performance, now, whether or not you know the words. Yeah, I mean, for Alex, for you, you've, you've, you, I mean, as you said, you've acted in the whole story of your film, then you also are the lead in a new film called Beeswax. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that set was sort of full of improv, um, at least from time to time. Did you, were you in that film after making this, or did this come, that became before this? Um, no, we, we rec- I started this movie before I did Beeswax. Right, and how did that, if at all, influence... This is a leading question, but how did that influence your acting in that movie? Uh, I don't know if it had a direct influence. I mean, and it, it echoes something David just said. Uh, I don't... Uh, yeah. I guess I kind of believe that the best acting that I can do is when I'm least self-conscious and when I'm least fearful and when I'm least anything else. And what helps me focus... Well, what allows me to do that more effectively than anything else is just to pay attention to the other person. So if I'm just, if, if I can be as wrapped as possible in the other person and what they're saying, then it doesn't really leave, maybe this is more of an indication of how small my mind is, but it doesn't leave much room for anything else. It doesn't leave room for self-consciousness and analysis and fear and everything else that I think could compromise 
my performance. And I noticed that to be especially the case, or I found that to be the hardest things that I felt I had to do in that movie and in another movie that we just finished a few months ago are scenes where I wasn't acting with anyone else. Like if the director would say, Alex, go there, pick up the phone and talk to someone. There's no... There's, no one to re there's not a person to pay attention to. And uh, it took a while for me to figure out how to pay attention to other things. So then like, I found other things slithering in, like self-consciousness. I'm sure it also makes you a better director as a filmmaker as well. It helps me communicate with actors, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We had another question back there. So uh, this question is for David. I believe you were, you were in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were very funny as a dentist. Um, you feel like talking about that? Any improv involved in that scene? Uh, it, it was. It's all improvised. That whole show is they don't even tell you what the scene is. Um, uh, you just, you, they, they, well, they kind of tell you what the scene is, but they don't, there's no words. For, I mean, there's no description of it or anything. This is what's happening. This is what happened before. And then you just improvise. And it was, uh, that's a blast. And, um, I, and as I was saying, I think that's really helped improvisation. It's like, oh, this can be regularly funny. Um, like every week they, it's funny. Um, and that, that's a great group. And Jeff Garland is one of the, uh, is one of the pr executive producers on that show. And he's from Chicago and second city also. So a lot of, and a lot of the folks on that show, the secondary characters and stuff are, are second city folks. Like, uh, so they're well familiar with it. Yeah. Oh, over here. Sorry. Um, so I imagine after your shows, there is a certain amount of post-mortem, like talking about the shows and. What's it like for you? Because I, I know, like, I'm with my group here, and we did a show on Wednesday, and we were, are still talking about it today. Uh, so, like, what, like, do you guys, like, have shows that are your favorite shows that you still talk about sometimes? Or, like, what are, what's a typical, like, after show like for you? Uh, Dave tells me the things I did wrong. <laughs> I, I sit patiently and, and listen. Um, no, we, uh, we go over mostly, mostly the big things, I would say, like, were we true to the beginning? Did, 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 it, did it turn out to be what it felt like from the, from the start? And if it went well, was that because that, that happened? And if it didn't go well, is it because we missed, we missed that? Um, it's usually like a 15-minute discussion, uh, I would say. We go, we go over it, you know, kind of just good or bad, these are the things that occurred. Um, and this is what I, oh, I, I should have done this to let you know I meant that. And so we just try to, it, it, just again, to, uh, to improve the communication that we have. And, it, and then sometimes we just have questions of each other of like, all right, the girl in the short pants, how old was she? You know, like, because I thought she was 19. And we're usually within like a year of each other. And like, and that just kind of ho hopefully reaffirms that like we're... Like, We're talking about people that we had played, not necessarily girls in the audience. Right. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> game we play called F Mary Kill. Um, that 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 we we that try you're and playing right now. Yes, we will be <laughs> we'll we'll, after we we're leave. We're doing we'll, research now. Um, that um, just to kind of test if we were. Um, picking up on the things we should have been picking up and also putting out the things we should have we should have been putting out and almost exclusively the problems that we have within the show could have been remedied by paying closer attention to the other person that's always the always the cure time for two more questions maybe right here over here i really enjoy your documentary i <laughs> 
study improv here at UCB. This is my two-person improv partner. And I was wondering, when you first practiced together, uh, did you just do this? Did you just get together and you know start off on a look and a feeling and do however? I mean, you don't have to do 50 minutes, I guess, if you're practicing. You just did a long, you know, uh, you just did long form improv together until one of you blacked you guys out. Yeah, uh, we just start. We just started uh, the very our very first show was different. Um, we did we cho it chopped up into like three scenes or something like that, and we decided well that that wasn't that much fun. So then we just we tried. Well, let's see what happens if we just do one thing for an hour, um, and that's what we're continuing to do. Um, and then when we rehearse, we do that. We start. We begin a scene. We'll do a beginning and it'll last about however long, 10 minutes or so. Um, and then we'll stop and see, well, did we get all the, was this what you meant? Was this what, uh, was that clear that I meant this? And Last question. Right here. What do you guys like about uh, playing in New York? You get to come here every so often. Uh, how's it different from Chicago and what do you leave with? In terms of the audiences, I guess, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, well, the uh, the aromas of this city are second to none, uh, especially in these summer months. Um, uh, I, I love it's great to come here. Uh, we we really enjoy being able to come here and and uh, and perform in a. One of the reasons that we keep doing this is we're performing at a. Uh, we're doing improvisation at a uh, what would be considered a legitimate theater, and um, and that's uh, I think a. Uh, that's one of the reasons we continue to do it. I think that's a pretty neat thing for improvisation. And, and you know, uh, the Barrow Street Theater, ha uh, they're, they're known for kind of having cool stuff, whether it's the plays that they've chosen or, or other things like... Uh, so we're, we're real happy to be a part of that. And for improvisation, too, to, to uh, make it more accessible to not necessarily a comedy or improv audience to uh, open it up to other folks, too. And I uh, truly adore Chicago. I know it's the best place in the world for me, but there is an unmistakable, like, cool vibe if the show went well of, of, of opening the doors at the Barrow and knowing you're like, I'm walking out into the streets of the village in Manhattan in New York City, and it went okay tonight. Like, that, that's... You and, didn't you know, eat like, us. Yeah. You know, and like, on a, on a nice... Last night, there was this beautiful breeze, and... We walk across this little this little bar, and and uh, it's a real like, it's a real cool sense. I grew up in a fairly small town and in New England, and so to have be able to do a theatrical piece in in Manhattan just feels feels really cool. It's for lack of a better term, it's pretty groovy. And Alex, you used to live here, or you lived here for a little bit, and then you moved. You live in Austin now. You're moving uh, back here, right? I, mo I just moved back right, here right, right, for right. a few months. But yeah. I was in Austin for uh, two years. Yeah. And I'll probably go back in the winter when it gets cold here. Right. Yeah. yeah. I kind of go back and forth. Okay. Yeah. So don't forget, tonight, 92Y Tribeca screening of the film. Trust Us is All Made Up. You can see TJ and Dave at t tonight at the Barrow Theater. And uh, again, tomorrow night as well. So go tell your friends. Thank you to everybody here. Thanks to the Apple Store, and uh, thanks for being such a great audience. Thank you very much thanks for coming, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.